I'm going to do a couple things a little different here this evening. Uh, one is I won't be using a PowerPoint uh, presentation, so you might get out your electronic device if that's your uh, choice of reading through the Bible. I'm, I'm going to use the New King James, so uh, if that helps you at all to be able to follow along, uh, if you want to, uh, to do that. And uh, another thing I'm going to do that's a little different is have you turn to Matthew chapter 11 to begin with, Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Now this is a passage that is typically used at the conclusion of a sermon, not at the beginning of one. <laughs> so uh, it might seem a little uh, different, but hopefully that gets your, uh, your interest up anyway. Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 28. And this is where Jesus, talking to his disciples, says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so Jesus makes an invitation here, calling everyone to him and saying that if you come to me, I will make things better for you. Now, he doesn't promise that he'll take the burden away, but he does promise that he'll lighten the burden, that he'll help us through the burden. And yet, I think that there are times that we sit back and we look at this verse and we say, this can't mean me. This doesn't apply to me. I've got all these burdens and it doesn't seem like anything ever changes. I go to Jesus, I go to prayer, I talk to God, and I do everything that I know to do, and He doesn't help me through this. Do you ever feel that way? Like the burden is just too great to bear? I suggest to you and submit to you this evening that if you ever feel that Jesus is not fulfilling His promise here, it's because you're not looking in the right place. Turn to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, and I want to read the first five verses. <clears throat> Paul writes to the Galatian brethren, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for each one shall bear his own load. Now, there are some things about this passage that might seem a little bit confusing. Just to kind of get towards the end of that, in verse number uh, 4 and 5, and that idea of examining your work, at the end of the day, you are responsible for the work that you do. That's what he's saying there. But at the beginning of this is where I want to put our emphasis and our focus. The Scripture tells us that some are overtaken in a, in a fault. Some are overtaken and are dealing with burdens. And so what does he say to do? You who are spiritual, restore them. Help bear one another's burdens. I submit to you this, this evening that perhaps when you come to Jesus and you want him to help you through your burdens, you're not going to the rest of his body to help you. You're not going to one another and saying, what can, I, what can you do to help me get through this? So I know normally we would look at this verse and we would say, okay, this teaches us that I ought to bear your burden. And certainly it does teach that. But there's also a, another side of this that we have burdens to bear. 
Number one that we see in this passage is that you have burdens. People have burdens. I mean, we can go back to what Jesus talked about when he says that uh, the wise man who builds his house upon upon his foundation is not like the one who builds his house upon a sand, but he had a good foundation. Now, both of them had storms, didn't they? The only difference was one of them was built on a better foundation. We all deal with storms of life. We all have burdens. We all have issues that we deal with from time to time. Who's the spiritual one here? He says, you who are spiritual, restore those who are in need. Let's go back a little bit and look at Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 25. Sometimes we get caught up in the division of the verses and the division of the chapters that we forget that this was a letter that was written. And they read it all at the same time. They didn't read it in pieces like we do sometimes. But Galatians 5 and verse 25, he says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So if, if I claim to live in the Spirit and, and I live in the, the idea or the, the, uh, the body and I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm doing that because I'm following after the Spirit. So whatever the Spirit has told us, which is written in His Word, then we are do, living in the Spirit if we're doing what the Spirit has told us to do. So what does that mean? Who, who are the ones who are not spiritual then? What's well, anybody who steps out of line? <laughs> it's anybody who does not walk in that path. And none of us can sit here and say that we've not ever veered from that path, that we've not stepped one foot outside and it's kind of out here in the shade or in the shadow. Matter of fact, 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 8 John says this, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. When we obeyed the gospel, we didn't all of a sudden become so free from sin that we never committed another one. And the point of this this passage in 1 John is that we need Jesus just as much today as we ever did. So, my plea to you then is this. Take off the mask. Quit acting like you're perfect. You're not. The only one you're fooling is you. Everybody in this room knows that you have sinned. Everyone. How do we know that? Because we've all sinned. I know you've sinned because I've sinned. And yet we walk around pretending like we don't ever do anything. Like I I don't ever do anything wrong, so I can't talk to you about what I'm doing wrong because I have to keep this mask on and show you that I've got no sin in my life. That's just not true. And so I'm bearing the burden of walking out of the light even if I'm just putting a foot out in the shadow, I'm walking around like I'm, I'm sinless. And that's a heavy burden to bear. David talked about it like the hand of God was heavy upon him. So you're not going to the right place to look for the burden to be lifted because you're not going to your brothers and sisters in Christ that are there to help you bear that burden. I want you to notice also what Paul writes. 
in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 10. In 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 10, Paul says, Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecution, in distress, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, notice that he's not talking about sin here. He's not talking about the weakness of sin. John did. He talked about that. Paul said something about that in Galatians chapter 6, but that's not the context here, is it? These are all things that just happened to him. When he got sick, when he got hurt, when people hurt him, when he was in need of whatever he might be in need of, when he was persecuted, when he was distressed, all of these are external things that have happened to him. Now, some of those were because of choices he made. They were right choices, but some of those were choices he made. And sometimes we get in certain situations because of choices that we make. But sometimes those things are out of our control. Sometimes we lose a job because the economy's bad. Sometimes we have to take a pay cut. Sometimes we get sick and all those different things. That, that life just happens. This life is filled with burdens. And he says, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Again, quit walking around like you've got everything figured out. You just don't. You don't have everything figured out. You may have some things figured out, and there may be some things you have figured out better than I do. But there's probably some things I have figured out better than you do, and other people have things. Even if I'm an expert in the field, there's somebody who knows something more about that than I do. And that's true of you too. You know what? Sometimes life just happens, and we walk around like, I don't have any problems. I don't have anything going on. And I, we, that burden is weighing on us, and we're not communicating with our family. And that's who we need to be talking to. We need to allow them to help bear our burden. Allow others to help you. You are robbing them of their God-given duty if you don't do that. James chapter 5 and verse 16 says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You know what I see in this? Obviously, we too are, are to confess our faults. We're to talk to our brothers and sisters about what's going on in our lives. That's obvious. And we're to ask them to pray for us. That means that we need to be vulnerable. And I'm going to say something that's going to sound very un-American right now. Independence is not a virtue. That's very counterculture here. We are not alone. We're not intended to be alone. God said from the very beginning, it is not good that the man should be alone. Think that's changed? <laughs> not at all. Independence is not a virtue. I need you at times to pray for me. And there's going to be times that you need someone else to pray for you because you just can't handle it on your own. And you know what? That's true of everybody. Allow them to help you. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 14 says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, 
uphold the weak, be patient with all. This is a command that we are to do. We are to exhort, we are to warn, we are to comfort, we are to uphold, we are to be patient. But I don't let anybody do that. I'm robbing them of their blessing that they could share with me if I don't communicate with them the burdens that I'm dealing with. Are you better than Jesus? Because even Jesus let someone carry his cross. In his weakest moment, someone had to carry his burden. And you can't go to your brother or sister in Christ because of the burden you have. You're too good for that. Jesus was perfect. Jesus could have called legions of angels that would have helped him carry his cross. He didn't use his miraculous power for selfish reasons. Somebody else had to help him. Are you going to let people help you now? Let them carry your cross? Let them carry your burden? And James 2 and verse 8 says, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. Allow someone to fulfill the royal law for you. Now, what's the roy why is it a royal law? It's a kingly law. It's a law from the divine that you love your neighbor as yourself. That's not normal. It's not natural. That's exactly why it says, love your neighbor as yourself. What's natural is to love myself. And so I love myself so I don't let you know that I've got a problem. See, I, I, I can't be vulnerable that way. I can't let you know that I have sin, even though we already know that. It's natural to do that. The opposite of that, though, is what Jesus calls us to do. And that's to love one another as I already do myself. To put you equal with me. Now, Jesus goes even further, and he says, love one another as I have loved you. But we'll talk about that tomorrow night. Or, excuse me, Saturday night. This is a kingly law. And what, what you are saying is, I don't want you to love me that way. When you're withholding and trying to hold on to your burdens and not allow your brothers and sisters of Christ to help you. The fact of the matter is this. We are in this together. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 26. As Paul here is talking about the body. Now they had a problem in Corinth. They had a pride problem. Some of those uh, believe that, well, because I have the gift of tongues, then I can communicate with people that you can't communicate with. And another one says, well, if it weren't for me, the people who actually spoke this language couldn't understand you because I can interpret those tongues. Oh, well, you, you may be able to speak in tongues and you may be able to interpret those tongues, but I have the ability to heal people. That's kind of what they were doing, and it was causing a division among themselves. So Paul illustrates the whole thing with the body and says it's all important. We do need people who are preached speaking in tongues at that time. We need somebody also to interpret. We need people to heal because it was all about the message. It was about confirmation of the message. That's what it was all about. But in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 26, he says, And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Is that true of you? Is that what you do? Do you rejoice when something good happens or when something bad happens to one of your brethren? 
We need to rejoice when something good happens, but also we need to suffer when someone else is suffering. When one member of this congregation is suffering, we all ought to rally around one another. And so that's the environment that needs to be created. And it starts with you being willing to be vulnerable and say, I have something that's bothering me. I have something going on in my life. You know, if you were to hurt your pinky, you know what they do a lot of times is they connect it to your ring finger. And they'll put tape around it or put some sort of a splint around it. And they connect it so that that, pink, that ring finger is creating a support for that pinky. Be somebody's ring finger. <laughs> connect with them. But in order to do that, you've got to be a broken pinky and say, you know what? I've got issues. I've got problems. And I need to share this with someone because I cannot bear this alone. And we all need to rally around that person. And help that person through it. Because we're in this together. Acts chapter 4 and verse 32. We have an interesting thing that has happened in the early church. Remember that all these people came from all over the known world. So much so that when they began to speak in tongues. And they began to speak in their language. They said how do they know our language? That's how diverse the group was. And when the 3,000 were baptized there. What do you think they did? They, they didn't go home. They sold everything they had back in Pamphylia and Phrygia and all those different areas. And they moved to Jerusalem. And it says in Acts 4, verse 32, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. They all sold everything that they had. They gave it to the church. And when somebody had a need, the church would meet that need. What's changed? That's exactly how we're to be today. Now, it may not be financially. That, that's not what I'm saying. But we all ought to be one heart, one soul. We have all things in common. And that includes the good and the bad. The good times, the bad times. This was their life. It was everything they had. They had left everything else behind. You know what that means? All they had was each other. You know what y'all need to, in, in this congregation here? All you need is each other. We are in this together. And we need to act like we're in this together. And that I can't do it all by myself. And Hebrews 3 and verse 13 says, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You know, what we saw in Acts 4 is the sacrifice that they made. And yes, it's going to take some sacrifice in order to fulfill this. Every day. Every day we ought to be communicating with one another. You know, this is a, an interesting congregation. I've, I've been here before, but one of the things that I've noticed is that y'all are one of the most hugging congregations that I've ever seen. And I think that's great. I really do. I, I'm a hugger myself. So if you want to give me a hug, then give me a hug. I'm all, I'm all for it. But don't let it just be about a hug. You know, Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. And Jesus called him a friend. But we're really friends when we help each other bear the burdens. Because we're all in this together. If somebody needs a daily text, 
Send them a daily text. If someone needs a phone call, give them a phone call. If someone needs a visit, go visit with them. If they need you to sit in the hospital with them while their spouse is in surgery, go to the hospital and sit with them. But we first have to let people know, hey, I'm going to the hospital. I, I can't tell you how many times I've had people actually say, after they've been in the hospital, they let us know. Why didn't you tell me? Well, I didn't want to burden anybody. That's what we're here for. Burden us. <laughs> that burden is a whole lot easier on 70 people than it is on one. Amen. We need to live that way. But it takes being vulnerable, and that's really the hard part. But remember, every one of us has burdens. Every one of us has walked out of line. Every one of us deals with life. And they're all seemingly at different times. Sometimes when I'm down, somebody else is doing really, really great. And you know what? That's a good time for me to go to that person. And sometimes they're down, and I'm doing really, really great. And that's the time they need to come to me. That's how it works. It's almost never, hardly ever COVID excluded. Are we all down at the same time? Situations like that brings everybody down, but that's pretty rare. And even then, some of us dealt with COVID a little better than others. Some of us lost family members and things like that. Some of us got really sick and some of us didn't. And some of us could manage all of that. There were times that some of us were better than others. We could still help each other bear the burden. But again, it takes being vulnerable. There, there are going to be times that you're going to need someone and you need to reach out. And then there's going to be other times that somebody needs you and you need to be there for them. <clears throat> we need to have a kind of environment that we create these types of relationships that we are truly invested in one another that I show my care and my concern for you and vice versa. The hugs are great unless we only leave them here. If we're not out on the street and we see each other and we run the other way because we see each other in downtown Pampa, what good is the hug when we get here? We need to be really building relationships that are much deeper than the surface. And that takes being vulnerable. This evening, you may have something going on in your life. And I'm going to ask you to be vulnerable. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song together. And that's a perfect opportunity. Let me tell you something that's not going to happen. We're not going to judge you. We're not going to sit back and wonder what in the world is he or she coming up here for. What burden is it that they're bearing? Now, you might tell us that. You might, want to might not want to tell us that publicly, but you might want to share that privately. But you want the prayers of the ch whole church. Well, that's good. Because when one of the members suffers, we should all suffer with you. So I'm going to ask you, while we sing this song, that you would come forward and that you would allow yourself to be vulnerable for a little bit and you will be better for it because we will lift you up. Please come now while we stand and while we sing.